0: All right, good morning, Marberly. How is everybody? Great. So happy to be here. You know, God's timing is always perfect. It's interesting that exactly one year ago, I was preaching my last sermon at Green Acres Baptist Church. We turned it over to Michael Gossett. Uh, We placed a mantle on his family. My family placed a mantle. And then Michael and I washed each other's feet, and I walked off the stage, and he preached. And so it's a time of transition again one year later. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for you accepting me and allowing me to come and share with you these last 10 months as your interim pastor. It's been a real blessing for me. And Moberly will always have a very special place in my heart. All right, thank you. Cutting into my preaching time. Open your Bibles to Hebrews 11:7, 7, and I told you this was going to be a very practical message, how to welcome Pastor Andrew Abair and his family to Moberly. Now, it's interesting, you know, uh, Moberly has a great heritage and history, but in the past 52 years, you have w- welcomed exactly two pastors. So it's not something you do all the time. So I want you to see a picture, of course, of the Abair family, a good-looking family. They're excited about being here. Andrew and Amy and those four precious children, uh, they're going to come and be a part of your culture, a part of of your church, and I tell you, they are excited about it. Now, you know, I I know your staff here gets along great because I've been here long enough to know, but in some churches, there's some horror stories between staff members. Like I heard a story about a pastor and a minister of music that didn't get along because the minister of music would always sing a song at the end of the service to sort of kind of dig what the pastor had just preached on like for instance one Sunday the pastor preached on hey, we need to move out we need to leave our comfort zone and the minister of music got up and said let's sing I shall not be moved <laughs> the next week the pastor preached against the sin of gossip the minister of music said let's stand and sing I love to tell the story <laughs> next week the pastor preached about he said this he said well if, if not, something doesn't change around here I'm going to resign. Minister Music stood up and said, let's sing, oh, why not tonight? <laughs> and so the final Sunday, the pastor said, well, I've had it. I've had it. Jesus led me here, and now Jesus is leading me away. The Minister of Music said, let's all stand and sing, what a friend we have in Jesus. <laughs> well, there are a lot of passages in the Bible that speak about the role of a pastor. And here in Hebrews chapter 13... Uh, The writer is writing about the gift that God gives the churches of spiritual leaders. And so we're going to start reading in Hebrews 13, verse 7, and then skip down to 17 in a little bit. So if you're willing and able to stand, I invite you to do that as we read the Word of God. The Bible says, Remember your leaders who have spoken God's Word to you. As you carefully observe the outcome of their lives, imitate their faith. You know, it's it's not where they are, but the outcome. Jesus Christ, it says in verse 8, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I think that verse is there because Jesus never changes. He's perfect, but servants of God aren't. Verse 9, don't be led astray by various kinds of strange teachings. For it is good for the heart to be established by grace, not by food regulations, meaning legalism since those who observe them have not benefited. If you would skip down now to verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them, since they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account, so that they can do this with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. Pray for us, for we are convinced that we have a clear conscience wanting to conduct ourselves honorably in everything And I urge you all the more, here it is again, to pray that I may be restored to you very soon. Let's pray. Father, thank you that in your sovereign goodness you saw fit to create local churches. And you saw fit to gift men and women to play roles of spiritual leadership. And we thank you, Lord, for what this church has gone through and how you have led them to the new pastor. And we just pray, God, that the desire of everybody in this church will be to welcome his family with graciousness. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, be seated. So I just want to tell you seven practical things you can do to welcome your new pastor. Number one, realize he is not a perfect pastor, okay? I mean, hearing the pastor search committee talk about him in such glowing terms, he is an outstanding young man great preacher, scholar, uh, brilliant, mature, but some churches make a mistake of putting a pastor up on a pedestal, and you know, a a pedestal sometimes is a bad place to fall from, so you just need to understand there is no perfect person. Uh, In fact, I I heard a preacher talking about that one time. He said, there's no such thing as a perfect man. Has anybody in this congregation ever met a perfect man and a guy on the back row raised his hand And he says, sir, you've met a perfect man. He said, no, but I've heard about him. And the preacher said, well, who was it? He said, it was my wife's first husband. (laughs) Well, he wasn't perfect either. In the history of humanity, there's only been one perfect man who walked the face of the earth. What was his name? Jesus. And he is the same today, yesterday, and forever. You know, as a pastor, I made so many mistakes. And when I made a mistake... I would admit, I'm so sorry I did that wrong. I I could have made a different decision there. I used poor judgment. So just know, give your new pastor room to make some mistakes. Somebody said, here's a perfect pastor. A perfect pastor preaches exactly 25 minutes every sermon. He condemns sin but never offends anybody. He works from 6 a.m. to midnight and takes the church trash out if needed. The perfect pastor is 30 years old and he has 40 years experience. The perfect pastor has a burning desire to work with teenagers, but he's always hanging out with senior adults. He makes 15 home visits a day, but yet he's always available in his office for people to drop by and talk to him. No, there's no such thing as a perfect person. In fact, you know, when the, the A Bears were here the weekend, you guys called them as pastor. Uh, I saw a picture he posted on Instagram of uh, the staff and spouse uh, dinner they had and they ask everybody to wear some of their famous uh, favorite sports attire. And I, I saw Pastor Andrew up there, you know, he had on shorts, he had on Astros uniform, he was wearing Chuck Taylors. And I'm thinking, man, I'm so glad to see that he is just a down-to-earth, normal guy. He is, and that's, that's what we are as pastors. We're just normal guys that God has called for a special role in the church. You know, the only person who will never disappoint you is Jesus Christ. So, give your new pastor a little bit of room to make mistakes. He's not perfect. However, I'm ready to say everything I know about Amy. I think she is perfect, okay? So they kind of balance each other out. I remember when I went to Green Acres in 1991, I had somebody come up to me and said, you've got a really tough job. And I said, why do you say that? It's going to be hard, he said, to keep 3,000 people happy. And I said to him, well, you know, I'm not going to really try to do that. I'm just going to try to Keep Jesus happy and my wife in that order. And I figure if I please Jesus, everybody that loves Jesus will also be pleased. So you're not calling a pastor to please you to be a people pleaser. You're calling a pastor to lead you to love Jesus and obey Jesus. So he's not a perfect pastor. But you know what? That's great because you know why? Marbley not a perfect church. Amen? It's a great church. It's a healthy church. But it's not a perfect church. There's no such thing as a perfect church. So mark that one off. Number two, pray for him and his family daily. Very important. I mean, through the years when somebody would ask me, Pastor, is there anything I can do for you? I'd always say, pray for me. And then I would be very specific on how they can pray for me. So let me give you three specific areas for you to pray for Pastor Andrew and his family. Number one, pray for a hedge of protection around him and his family. Now, that's biblical, Because over in Job chapter 1, Satan was approaching the Lord, and and it was the Lord that brought it up. He said, have you considered Job? Look how faithful Job is. And and Satan said, well, yeah, God, you've bribed him. You put a hedge of protection around him, and and you've blessed the work of his hands. He said, you take that hedge down, and he will curse you to your face. And God said, oh, no, he won't. So you, you know the rest of the story. Job never cursed God. He stayed faithful even though that hedge of protection was removed so pray for a hedge of protection around your pastor his family morally spiritually emotionally physically because you know the enemy out there is anxious to make christian leaders fail and fall most of you've heard of tim lahay he wrote the left behind series but he also wrote a lot of other books about christian ministry and in one of his books, he writes about speaking with a flight attendant for American Airlines. And this was back when they served meals on every flight. She was offering a meal to one of the passengers. And he said, no, thank you. I'm fasting today. So she assumed he was a Christian. So she said, oh, so you're a Christian. He said, no, ma'am. I'm part of a Satanist congregation in Dallas. And the members of our church have all agreed that we will fast and pray one day a week for the moral failure of Christian pastors. I mean, the enemy puts a big bullseye on the back of everybody who has great spiritual influence. So pray for a hedge of protection around him and his family. Number two, pray for a smooth transition to East Texas. And when I'm talking about that, I'm really talking so much about his wife, uh, Amy, and the kids. Uh, You know, the kids aren't called to be pk's preacher kids they're born into a family and and some of them react well to that i know my two daughters growing up uh they were it seemed like they were always under a microscope we lived in a glass house everybody was always watching what they were doing and i thank god that today they're young adult beautiful young adult women successful and they love the lord But there were some rough times there when they were teenagers just because of the pressure put on PKs. So really help the kids and Amy adjust well and make a transition. It's going to be a hard transition as it is. They're never easy. But do everything you can to pray that it will be smooth for them. I mean, you talk about West Texas, East Texas. Those are like two different cultures. Amen? So, I mean, they're not going to be able to see the sun on the horizon all the time. And that drives some people crazy, you know. So pray for a smooth transition. Number three, pray for... A fresh vision and a passion for serving here. Now, when Pastor Andrew comes, he is going to pray for God to give him a fresh vision for this church. And I believe God's going to give him a vision. I believe there's going to be some changes. I was. I told our finance committee here a few months ago when we were talking about how much money we have in the bank, I said, get ready for a new pastor to spend that money, okay? Because the ch- church is not a bank, okay? He'll have some new ideas, and he'll have a new vision. And some people don't like change. Most people don't like change. I mean, uh, somebody said the only person who likes change is a baby with a dirty diaper, and even they cry about it. <laughs> so get ready for some Change. And the last seven words of a dying church is we never did it that way before. So just because you may be doing some things differently, change is good, okay? The only thing that doesn't change, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. But as our cultures change, as uh, generations change, we need to use different methods with the same message. All right, number three, respect the role of pastor respect the role of pastor now, let me tell you why I'm saying that you see Andrew is 36 and I was 38 when I went to be the pastor of Green Acres Baptist Church and a lot of people at Green Acres thought I was too young at age 38 to be the pastor of that church and they told me that and they said well, we think you're too young to be the pastor here and I said well you may be right but I want you to know that's a problem I'm working on every single day <laughs> and I grew up being taught Southern manners. I mean, it was always, yes, sir, no, sir, no, ma'am, yes, ma'am. Please, thank you. And so I was taught to respect my elders, people older than me. So when I came in as a 38-year-old pastor, there was a lot of people in that church. For the first time they had had a pastor younger than them. And so for some of you, this may be a new experience for you. You may, for the first time, have a pastor who's younger than you. And this is the first time Moberly has had a pastor who is of the millennial generation. Now, the millennial generation, they got a bad rap a a while back. They they said they're all narcissistic. They're lazy. But no, that is not true. They are some of the most committed. They're digital natives, which means nobody had to teach them how to use uh, digital equipment. They grew up using it. They're the most educated uh, uh, generation. And did you know, really, the millennials are the largest generation in america today used to be us baby boomers post-war baby boom all right but we're dying out at about a thousand an hour i think maybe a thousand a minute or something who knows but the millennials is the largest generation so let me tell you what that's going to mean this church is going to have an influx of young families it just goes without saying that the age and personality of the pastor tends to attract those kind of people into the church because When I was a young adult, my wife and I there in Green Acres, we had tons of young families, tons of young adults coming in. And now Michael Gossett is the pastor there. He's a millennial. He's 34. And tons of young families are coming into the church. So you need to be prepared for that, okay? So he's younger than a lot of you, but please respect the role of pastor. I will say this about Pastor Andrew. He has a maturity far beyond his chronological age. That is absolutely Uh, true as I've discovered. Look at what the Bible says in 1 Timothy 5 17. The elders, I'll explain that, who are good leaders are to be considered worthy of double honor. What does that mean? I'll explain it. Especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. Well, that's that's your uh, pastor. There are three words that are used in the New Testament and they're used interchangeably for a, a pastor. The word elder is used. It is the word presbyteros. We get our word Presbyterian from that. Uh, And then there's a word that's often translated bishop or overseer, episkopos, episkopos, to oversee, to look over. And then there's a word that I prefer, poime, which means to shepherd. The word pastor is the same word as the word shepherd. And so I have always enjoyed uh, being called a pastor. Uh, A lot of people call me David. Are a lot of the younger people would call me Pastor David, and I'm so glad to hear that Pastor Andrew said, what do you call him? Call him Andrew, or if you want to, Pastor Andrew. He's not hung up on titles and things like that. So uh, his job is to be the leader, to be the overseer, to be the shepherd of the congregation. He's worthy of double honor. What does that mean? It means respect, and it also is a financial word that means remuneration, double honor. Because the verse after this says, you shall not muzzle the ox in the corn. In other words, when an ox is spinning around the grist mill, he gets to eat what's there. So that's the meaning of that. All right, here is suggestion number four. Help him learn your name and your story. It's important. Your pastor wants to know your name. But he also wants to know your story. Now, think about this. He's coming in here in a few days. And he doesn't know if you've been in this church one week, ten years, twenty years. He, he he looks. You may think you're just a guest here today. So, as you get to know him, tell him your name over and over and over again. You know, John ends his third epistle, just short little epistle. He says this: Greet all the brothers by name. I think one of the best things you can do in church is call people's name. People like to hear their name called, and. I know that Pastor Andrew wants to learn as many names as he can, but I'm just going to tell you it's going to be impossible for him to learn everybody's name. I couldn't do it at Green Acres. I I mean, I tried as hard as I could, and I knew a lot, a lot of people's names, but we had so many new people coming in all the time, it was just impossible for me. So you know what I did? Even the last Sunday I was there, one year ago uh, today, I would be walking up to people in the halls, and I would say, I'm Pastor David. Would you please tell me your name again? I must have done that 10,000 times. And, and it's, it might have been people I'd met before, and, and they just were always happy to say, hey, my name is. But I would always say, please tell me your name again. Okay? Now, this is what you don't do. Here's a warning. Okay? So pay attention. There was a particular lady at Green Acres Church that uh, we'd been there for maybe two months or so. She came up to me, and then she came up to my wife, and she said, Tell me my name. Like she had introduced herself a couple of weeks before and said, what's my name? You know, I always found out that in the church there were people who were easy to love. (laughs) And there were people who, who were easier to love. She wasn't one of our favorites. So let me just warn you right now, please don't, you do that. Don't go up to Pastor Andrew. Even though you introduce yourself to him a week before, hey, what's my name? No, tell him your name, okay? And listen, if you invite him to, like, connect group or or ministry activities, everybody wear name tags, okay? So make a good effort to let him know your name and your story, okay? Number five, very important. Give him time to study and to be with his family. The greatest gift you can give to Pastor Andrew is T-I-M-E. Time is more valuable than money. You can always make more money, but you cannot make more time. And one of the worst things a church can do for a new pastor is try to monopolize his time. Individuals or group try to monopolize his time. Now, he's got, he's got four kids. There are a lot of children and teenagers in this church, but there are only four in this church that he is directly responsible for God for raising. So let him be a father to those four children and the time will come when they're out in college and things like that and he won't have as much responsibility there but while they're this age he needs time to be with them and i've heard every fa- every friday is family time for him you know and i'm sure he'll tell you the same thing when i went to green acres i told them the very first sunday i want you to know my priorities my priority number one is following and serving jesus christ my personal relationship with jesus Priority number two is being a good husband and father. That's number two. Priority number three is being the pastor of this church. He needs to understand, and he does understand because he's told me, but I want you to understand that his family is even more important than this church. You know what? I could personally name the names of some pastors who knocked on doors three days a, a, a week, didn't pay any attention to their children. They built a great church, and then their children didn't even want to be anything around God. What does it profit a pastor if he builds a big church and loses his family? So family time, study time. You know, I've heard that like me, I have always devoted my mornings during the week for study to preach and teach. And then at lunch and in the afternoon, I had had church meetings with staff or members of the church. I think he follows the same plan. And it's very important. See, too many pastors try to run around and do everything, and and sometimes it's because the members ask them to run around and do everything. So think of it like this. You can either have his feet or you can have his heart. And you really want to have his heart, so give him time. Now, I did a time study one time and discovered that for every minute I preach a message, like a 30-minute message, it takes at least one hour of preparation. So I would usually devote 30 hours a week to nothing else except just preparing to preach. And, you know, pastors, we need to study the Word, not just to prepare to preach and teach, but also to feed ourselves, to feed our souls. So give him that time, okay? Don't monopolize his time. All right, number six. Say only positive things about your pastor and church. I'm going to repeat that. Say only positive things about your pastor and church and church. How many of you say, I'll do that, pastor? I'll do that. Let me see your hand. I want you to swear to it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I'm going to only say positive things about our pastor and our church because there's so many critical people in the church. Church is filled with mean people and all they want to do is criticize. I had a pastor friend in Alabama, Bob Baggett. He had a lady in his church that he said was a nitpicker. You ever heard of a nitpicker? She She would complain about everything. You know, the music was too loud. The Air conditioning was too cold, and she would walk up to him after every sermon, and as she was complaining, she literally would pick the lint off of his, his coat. He, she was a literal nitpicker. So one Sunday, he decided he'd get, get back at her, so he uh, took a spool of thread, put it in the inside coat pocket, threaded it through the a needle, then stuck the needle through his lapel, so he had a little piece of thread about that long hanging out his, on his lapel, Sure enough, his nitpicker came up after the service and started complaining about things, picking off lint. She started pulling on that thread and she kept pulling until it was about three feet of thread she pulled out. And she was so embarrassed she turned around and walked off. And he said she never nitpicked again. So don't be a nitpicker. I mean, there's plenty of critical people in the church. Some people are born again and some are born against. I had a pastor tell me about a guy in his church, we'll call him Brother Jones. He was always complaining. You know, anytime they want to do something, oh, it costs too much, you can't afford that, we've never done it before. He was just criticizing everything. And one Sunday evening, back when they had Sunday night church, the pastor was tired, and sometimes pastors get a little goofy on Sunday nights anyway, and he forgot about, forgot about what he was saying. He said, Brother Jones, would you, would you stand and lead us in a word of criticism? I mean prayer. <laughs> on the other hand, say positive things about your church about your pastor encourage him and let me just say the best way to encourage your pastor besides praying for him is to write him a handwritten note often telling him you are praying for him and you appreciate what he's doing now i know email is easier text is easy but there's just something about getting a handwritten card that you can save it i i I save thousands of those cards that people sent me through the years and you know you get one negative note takes about 20 encouraging notes to cancel out that one negative note, okay? So you you say, well, I don't want to go to a post office and mail it. Well, just write it and bring it up here to the church and ask somebody to put it on his desk or something if you don't want to pay postage. But handwritten notes of encouragement, they go a long way in, in encouraging your pastor. All right, number seven, finally, follow his leadership as he follows Jesus. Now, the pastor is the leader, the spiritual leader of a congregation, but you don't follow him blindly. He's following Jesus, and as he follows Jesus, you follow him. You see the word shepherd, pastor. A pastor does three things, basically. He leads the flock, the church. He feeds the flock, the church, and he protects the flock, the church, from heresy and from bad doctrine. That's, that's his job. And he... He's not the shepherd, he is the under-shepherd, because he's following the chief shepherd, the great shepherd, who is Jesus Christ. Look at Hebrews 13, 17 again. Obey your leaders and submit to them, since they keep watch over your souls, as those who will give an account. Now, just stop for a minute. Did you know it's your pastor's job to watch over your souls? That's that word, oversee. Because one day it says he will give an account. One day I'm going to give an account before God for how I watched over the souls of Moberly Baptist Church for 10 months. And Green Acres Baptist Church for 30 years. I'm I'm going to have to give an account. How did I do that? And so that's why it's important to follow the leadership of your pastor. Now there are different leadership styles. You know that, right? I've known pastors who were dictators They said, this is the way it's going to be. It's either my way or the highway. That's not the best kind of leader. The best kind of leader is one who has a spirit of servant leadership. Uh, You know, Jesus had all these titles, Lord, Master, Savior, Redeemer. But he didn't lead with a title. He led with a towel. The night before the cross, he got up and he washed the disciples' feet and wiped it with a towel. That's the kind of servant leadership we need. You know, you've got a great guy coming to be your pastor. He he is a great preacher. I've listened to him a number of times online. I listened to him when he preached here in View of a Call. He's an engaging, uh, deep preacher. I I really love to hear him. But I want to say to you, there's no inspired preaching without inspired listening. You see, if you come into church not really caring or expecting to hear a word from God, guess what? You won't. You won't hear from God. But if you come in and just before Pastor Andrew begins to preach, if you just pray a simple prayer, God, open my ears, open my heart. Speak to me through your servant. You will hear a word from God. There's no inspired preaching without inspired listening. Jesus said over and over again, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. It's kind of like this. When you go to a restaurant, uh, the maitre d' or or the server says, Bon appetit. You know what that means? Good appetite. You see, you could have the best food you've ever seen, but if you don't have an appetite, if you've been stuffing yourself on junk food, the best meal, you're not interested in it. So if you come with an appetite to hear the Word of God, it will be a great experience for you. Talk about God's timing again. Next Sunday is September 4th. So I think it's no accident or coincidence that on the same date, Sunday, September 4, 1938, Marbury Baptist Church was launched. Forty members, Southside Baptist Church. And look what God has done in these past 84 years. And I know some churches. I can name you some churches. They talk about the good old days, back, back when the church was blowing and going. Since that time, there's just been a decline, but I'm convinced without a shadow of doubt that for Marberly Baptist Church, there have probably been some good old days, but I want to tell you, there are going to be some better new days. The best is yet to come, so hang on. God's going to do a great work in and through you. Welcome your pastor and his family. There's no limit to what God can do. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that in your timing and in your providence, you brought this congregation to a place in their history where new pastor's coming in to serve and lead, and we want to pray for Pastor Andrew and his family as they come. We do pray a hedge of protection around his family. We pray for a smooth transition, and we pray that you'll give him a new vision and a passion for serving you here in East Texas. God, and I pray that every member of this church will recommit themselves to welcome this family, to love them, and to do everything they can to follow his leadership as he follows you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.